Welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange with Leander Young, where we dig into conversations with seasoned musicians to discuss their life, art, and the faith of jazz as they see it. In this episode, we interview a jazz and Latin jazz vocalist who has been making moves in the scene, Lauren Henderson. Hello, Lauren. How are you doing? Fine. Thank you, Lee. How are you? Can't complain. Could you please introduce yourself to the people, please? My name is Lauren Henderson, and I am a jazz and Latin jazz vocalist, composer, and recording artist. Okay. And how long have you been doing this? I have been doing this professionally for approximately four or five years uh, I did start with releases before that, maybe up to nine years ago now, but I was uh, working in production as well, so I didn't fully commit myself to jazz and to music and a professional uh, career as a, as a jazz musician. So what made you become a jazz musician? Pure love and passion about music and performing in general. It was something that I didn't really know that I could excel in uh, moving to New York, coming from a small town in Massachusetts and a very small liberal arts college for undergrad. You know, you think of New York and you wonder, can I make it here? Will I, Will anybody hire me? Uh, will I find musicians to perform with? And it can be overwhelming when you're moving to a new city, especially for me. Uh, I didn't go to a conservatory for undergrad. So it was uh, a little intimidating to know if I could hang with the rest of the scene, but I I somehow weaseled my way in. <laughs> Where did you study undergrad? Uh, I went to Wheaton undergrad and I went to Brown for graduate school. Ivy League girl. Oh, okay. <laughs> So the Ivy League girl decides to go into music. Yes. <laughs> Best decision of my life. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm confused. So what, what did you go to Brown for, I should ask? Was it for music also? I went for business. Uh, so I went actually, I just graduated last year with my master's. Uh, so it's it, actually we're, we're recording this in May. So... It's almost the anniversary of my graduation. Well, congratulations. You're probably one of the first or only, no, you're not the only one I know, but you're one of the first female vocalists I know that has an MBA. Oh, well, thank you. It was uh, a decision that I made so that I could support myself and uh, really push my career forward nationally and internationally and save that percentage uh, on myself rather than dishing it out to another another person uh, who may or may not understand what my needs are as an artist and respect those. Of course, there are incredible people in the industry that we can all work with, but they are in high demand and you can only take on so many clients. So very early on, I saw that I would have to kind of fend for myself and make sure that I had all the skills I needed to excel. Okay. And you don't need to be so formal, but I appreciate that. <laughs> so you finish Brown, you come to New York to pursue a music career, right? Right. Okay. So what is something that you have learned coming from the academic world 
go into the actual music world? One thing that's very important uh, is that in any field that I've worked in, because before doing music full time, I was in production. And I think, of course, it's wonderful to get an education, but music especially can be lost if you're not focusing on what the real purpose of of the art is. And for me, that's connecting to the audience, telling the story, whatever it is, and making them feel something. And sometimes that can be lost if we're too concerned with, you know, the other things that can be distracting. Uh, so I think more than anything, being able to, you know, be a, a, a head start or be someone who can take action, take initiative um, and have the audacity to do so because you really have to put yourself out there and that can be nerve wracking. Okay. So, so you said that you were nervous about people wanting to work with you and everything. You got one of the biggest piano rising stars on most of your albums that I see. <laughs> How did you get him and what is your relationship with him? Well, Sullivan is one of my first friends that I made in New York City. So we moved around the same time, and I actually met him through a drummer who's on my first record along with him, a name Jesse Simpson. So I actually met Sullivan at his apartment because Sullivan and Jesse were roommates, and we became fast friends. Now he's like family to me. And he's been a wonderful, wonderful uh, friend, contact, mentor, everything that you can imagine. I've, I've been so fortunate to work with him uh, all of these years, and it's been really, really special. So that's the short version of how I met him. Okay. So what advice would you give somebody who's going into the music world right now? The advice I'd give somebody going into the music world right now would certainly be to be true to yourself and try to take suggestions and critiques and compliments with a grain of salt. Uh, really think about who you are and what it is you want to be. And I would really encourage everyone to, you know, not be sucked into comparing yourself to other people or marking your progress based on other people's progress or achievements because the only person that you should could be competing with is yourself. And I think that audiences really appreciate artists who are authentic and real. And that's something that you can give an audience that nobody else can give your true self. When you define being real, what do you mean by that? Uh, that can mean different things to different people, but for me, being real is, you know, if I wanted, if I want to do my own interpretation of a song, there may be some things that people, there may be more popular approaches or things that are safer choices, but I'll do whatever I need to do to effectively give uh, the emotion and the story behind the song. So that might be, you know selecting a tempo that people might think is a little odd or maybe putting something in a different time or, you know, trying a different arrangement or feeling, feeling like I can uh, 
throw something different in or maybe a song or standard that people wouldn't expect to hear from me in a concert. Uh, I'm not being afraid to take those chances and, and doing the things that that are real to me. I, I think it's very hard to personally to kind of sing songs that do not resonate with me or the message doesn't align with something that I can relate to. And I think that's all part of being real and authentic on stage because I believe the audience can pick up on that if you're not really enjoying the song or if it's something that you absolutely love. People can really tell you're in the moment and enjoying the music. Okay. So give me an example of one moment when you were into the performance. Oh, one moment. You know, recently, well, recently I've been in uh, locked indoors, but okay, before I the try lockdown. to really, <laughs> I try to always enjoy the moment. I, I should be in Paris right now. I would have just performed at Duc de Lombard. And, you know, I always think about performances and what I can do to reach the audience and how I can show them, you know, what my story is and what the music means to me and how it reflects my culture and my personality and all of these things. So basically, the last time I really enjoyed the moment, I would say, was a show at the Regatta Bar. Uh, that was in February, I believe, right after Valentine's Day. And I was performing with a bunch of musicians who I'd performed with before but we were really kind of coming together as a group. And it was a beautiful experience because as we were getting to learn each other, when you're learning about another musician, and I say that like, you know, their approach to standards or to, to your own original music or to their music, your ears are open, hopefully. And I, I really enjoyed during the show listen, listening to the rest of the band. I was enjoying it as much as the audience, hopefully. And um, that allowed me to be in the moment. It, it also allows me to feel safe and comfortable, you know, stretching out and, and uh, expressing myself as best I can. Okay. So what is something people seem to misunderstand about the music world? <laughs> oh wow! I guess thinking you should be an interesting I don't even one. Know where to begin? <laughs> uh, the, the first thing that pops into mind is people think, "Oh, well, you're doing what you love, so you don't mind, you know, doing this for free um, here and there." And uh, I think that's something that a lot of people, without doing so maliciously, tend to think that you know, because we're doing something that we love, we don't really need to be paid, uh, but it's our job. We have to prepare for it just because you see, you know, a one hour set, the hours and training and studying and preparation, um, even the day of that go into it really, really, you know, deserve uh, payment and, and recognition. So I think that's a really common misconception that I come across. Okay. And what is something you notice about the music scene recently? Something I've noticed about the music scene recently is really beautiful, and it's a strong sense of community and coming together and humbleness uh, that I really appreciate. I think, you know, 
during these challenging times, we've had to be even more creative and listen to each other and connect with each other in different ways. Or maybe you were thinking of collaborating with someone, but they live far away. Well, now we can now we are we were able to do so before, but now we are sort of forced to connect with different people. And in some ways, it's been expansive for me because I'm getting the opportunity to work with people who may have been busy or our schedules aren't really aligned. And now we're working remotely and it's something really special. Y'all could give me a name or two? Come on. I'm curious now. Oh, yeah. I've been working uh, with Isaac Wilson, who's a wonderful pianist from California, now living in New York City. I'm I'm planning to do a collaboration with Louis Fouché, who I've recorded with before on A La Madrugada. And he is one of the saxophonists on uh, The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. And also an old, old friend of mine. So that's great. Uh, Sullivan and I have been collaborating regularly. That's a normal thing for us. But we've been doing everything from interviews together to uh, different article features. So that's been really fun with him. And then, of course, musically, uh, we're working on that. He's usually the first person I send uh, my compositions to. I'm also doing a project with... uh, a great guitarist, uh, Nick Tenora, based out of Miami, and Uriel Herman, I, I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly, in Israel. And uh, and we're just a recent connection, so I've become a fan of his remotely uh, through Instagram, actually. Uh, it's so fun how you can connect with different people, and his music and his writing is absolutely gorgeous, so we're trying to work on something as well. So... There are a lot of great artists out there, and I hope that's just the beginning. I hope there are many more things uh, to come. Mm-hmm. So where do you think the jazz scene will be in 10 years? I hope that the jazz scene is just as strong as it is now in the sense of community and support and passion uh, for the art form and the culture that it represents. I also hope that it uh, has expanded. I hope that that the knowledge of jazz and the history of jazz and the appreciation of jazz is spread and increased. And I hope that people are coming together. I hope it's more diverse and balanced in every way. And I hope that people uh, still con- continue to honor the history. Okay. Well, me personally, I don't know how this whole corona situation is going to affect even the jazz clubs in New York City. I know. It's so scary. I, I, I really am hoping for the best. But we don't know. No, we don't. That's why I said, where do you think? That's all. Okay, on that. Yeah. Well, 10 years, I, mean, I, I hope that, uh, I mean, if we're getting into the pandemic and everything, this has been something that has been mentioned uh, years before this happened and you know obviously it was unexpected COVID-19 but uh, preparedness is also uh, very important and I think now moving forward I hope that as uh, as a nation and as as a world as a, as all of us coming together I hope that we learn from this and you know, prepare for the next uh, pandemic, which is very likely to happen again. So 
Uh, I hope in 10 years that's going well, but as I get older, I see tons of surprises and things that have happened that I never would have imagined. So I'll try to be optimistic rather than pessimistic. But I think if uh, society keeps progressing in a positive way, I think uh, the arts will as well. Okay. Well, you're vocalists and you seem to naturally get these languages down. I don't know how many you speak personally, but you seem to get the Spanish, the Portuguese down perfectly. Oh, thank you. So how does that affect you when it comes to working? Do people want to work with you more? Do people are intimidated by that? I think that, I, I think generally it's been very positive for me. I'm fluent in English and Spanish. And then there are other languages that I say I, I dabble in and I can, you know, I can get around, but I wouldn't call myself fluent. And really it's been wonderful because I, I do notice that for specific projects, especially over the past two years, I think all of us vocalists are known for different things. So I'm I'm not someone who's known as a belter or someone who's always scatting. I, I rarely ever scat, uh, but I am known for doing Latin jazz in different languages. So I, I've noticed that people call me for projects like that, which I appreciate. I, I'm really happy about that. And, and I love languages. Any big ones that we know about? Any big projects? No, people that called you out to work with them. Oh, well, my my second to last project was with uh, Michael Thurber, who used to be in Stay Human on Stephen Colbert for many years. And now he's doing, uh, he's, he's written an incredible musical, which I won't speak too much about because it's not my business to share until it's ready. But he's an incredible writer, uh, producer, uh, bassist, everything. And uh, he called me... A little over two years ago, he had written a song in Spanish called Ven Muerte, and he had a wonderful show uh, running regularly at Joe's Pub called Thurber Theater, which I'm sure will start up again when it's safe and we're able to do so. And he asked me to be one of his guests on the show. He brings in lots of great artists um, you know, from all different genres, which is really fun. And so we performed this song and, you know, some people you meet and you feel like you grew up with them and you've known them for a life. Fast forward now, he's one of my very best friends and we did a whole album together. So it was one of my uh, best collaborations and I'm so grateful to work with him. Okay. So if you could turn back time and talk to your 18 year old self, (laughs) would you talk them out of being a musician? No, I would just tell her, you know, spend a little more time practicing piano. (laughs) Okay. So if you could remove all the barriers, all the constraints, what type of project would you do and who would be on it? Oh, oh, I would have, I would do, if, if I had, if I didn't have barriers, I would do a huge record with, you know, an orchestra and, I'm really into my original music incorporates jazz and flamenco and Latin jazz, which is, of course, a very broad term. Um, But really, I just try to pull on my roots. I also spent uh, some time in South Africa last year, and that was really, really inspiring as well. So I'd like to do 
I guess what's what's now sounding like a world music, almost a jazz world music album uh, with large ensembles. That would be amazing, and it would be incredible to work with artists from all around the world. Uh, the best thing about touring has certainly been getting to know these amazing artists in different countries. Would it be more like a Gal Costa album or more like a Somi? Hmm, I like Somi. I, I, I really love Somi and the arrangements are incredible. I, I think that that resonates with me, although although I really respect everyone. Okay. And give me one compliment that someone gave you that you will never forget. Oh, um, well, Sullivan actually gave me a compliment that really meant a lot to me. And he said it was something along the lines and I'll, just to, to give more, uh, you know, to give a little history behind it because we've been friends for so long, you know, when you're comfortable with someone and they're like family to you, you're not always talking about, you know, how they're doing in their careers. Because I think when we're talking, we want to kind of talk about something else as a bit of an escape or what have you. But he said uh, to him, a great vocalist is someone when you hear their voice, you know who it is immediately. And he said that, you know, uh, whenever I'm playing, he knows, okay, that's Lauren. And that was nice because that that also shows me that I'm being authentic and sharing my voice and it, it's something special that only I can share. So of course it's nice to be complimented on that. That's actually very sweet of him. I give him that. Thank you. So before we go, we normally like to give a shout out and show respects to artists that came before us. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you an instrument, two artists, you're going to choose one and tell us why, if you want to, okay? Okay. On saxophone, Roxy Cross or Grace Kelly? Oh, that's rough. Um, they're both incredible, and they are strong and, and talented artists. I cannot, I don't like to pick favorites, uh, <laughs> which That's I, what we're doing you, but here. <laughs> I do know Roxy and I am a proud member of the women in jazz organization. So I, and I have, we, another reason why I connect a lot to Roxy is because we work with a lot of the same artists like Alex Wintz and Mickey Yamanaka. So I really have to, uh, give, Roxy, a, a big nod and a lot of appreciation for the work that she's done for women in the arts. So um, even though I don't want to pick favorites, I will say Roxy and I, I do know her. So Okay. Yeah. On bass, Ellen, Andrea Wang, or Esperanza Spartan? Oh, again, they're all incredible artists and and I like them all the same just as with Roxy and Grace for different reasons but I've I've listened to Esperanza the most and I, I actually she was very inspiring to me when I started writing original music because I listened to her originals and how she incorporated her approach uh, but still with a deep connection and roots in jazz so um, Esperanza okay on keys, Noah Jones 
or Deanne Carla? Oh, that's also really hard. Uh, both remarkable. I I really connect with Nora Jones. Um, she's she's someone who I really look up to. Uh, I think our approach to singing is very similar as well. So I, I, I have to be honest that I've listened to a lot of her catalog and it's helped me get ideas and growth as uh, doing standards and originals. So even though they're both wonderful, Nora. Okay. On drums, Allison Miller or Terry Collinson? Hmm. You know, I'm a fan of both, but I don't know enough about either of them uh, to really have a strong lean either way. So that will be a draw for me. Okay. And last one on vocals. This Ellen Fitzgerald or Nina Simone? <laughs> oh, that's so hard. They're just, I mean, you know, the hard thing about all of these is like apples and oranges, you know, for me at least. And that's why it's so hard to pick someone. But again, and I'm doing my little, you know, this is my little press conference uh, publicity control, but I just, I really appreciate all of the artists equally <laughs> and, and celebrate all of them equally. I... I grew up listening to more Ella Fitzgerald. Um, and then when I was in college, you know, so really quickly, my dad is, and, and my mother, uh, but my father is a huge jazz fan and responsible for a lot of my education in jazz. So I thank him for that. I've been listening from the womb, thanks to him. So growing up, I listened to more Ella Fitzgerald. That sort of makes sense. I think she's very like young children friendly as well. Um, not that Nina Simone is not, but I, it makes sense that he really introduced me to Nina Simone more when I was in high school and college and dealing with, you know, real issues because my favorite quote by Nina Simone is, it's an artist's responsibility to reflect the times. And recently I've been trying to live by those words when I'm writing. Uh, so she's a major inspiration. Um, I guess, and then the vibrato, I, I can, you know, I can appreciate Nina Simone's vibrato and uh, it, it's, I, I just can't pick. <laughs> I can't pick, I'm sorry. <laughs> I love really? them both for completely different reasons. I mean, one is sort of like, Nina Simone is sort of my, reminds me of my Alma Oscura side if I compared my records where the songbook session reminds me of my Ella Fitzgerald side, right? So we have, we are, we are learning from all of the greats and we pick up different attributes. Uh, the songbook session is a brighter, bouncier record and Alma Oscura is very moody and it, it, you know, it deals with some pretty serious messages. And so that's that's part of my personality. So I, I love both of them, and I thank both of them. I'll let you off the hook on that. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> I explained it, right? Okay. I well, 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 listen, listen. <laughs> <laughs> Don't need people hating me. So, Lauren, <laughs> please tell the people <laughs> your social media, where to find you. Yes. Um, so this is Lauren Henderson, and you can find me at Lauren Henderson Music on Instagram, as well as Lauren Henderson Music on Facebook and YouTube. Hear Lauren on Twitter. 
and uh, everything else is Lauren Henderson Music, including my website. So I hope that you follow and support, and you can hear me on all platforms, including Apple Music, Spotify, iTunes, you name it. Okay, everyone. So thank you guys for joining us. Thank you, Lauren. And this is Leander from Improv Exchange. Enjoy the rest of your day. Bye-bye. That's that on jazz. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Improv Exchange. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also, please be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Improv Exchange.